I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, June 25, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We got stuff. We got a lot of stuff to go over. I have a laundry list of items. And as usual, I'm just going to try and get through as much as possible. Let's do a quick recap real quick because I think it's something we can learn from. We can all learn from this market, any market. We can learn the strategies and we can learn and continue to learn as many of the puzzle pieces across this market as we can to find the most success we can. Let's go back to just over three weeks ago. If you remember correctly, the world was ending. We had all kinds of negative news going on. All of a sudden, the market rallies out of nowhere. Maybe it was a tweet. Maybe it was the Mexico thing. I can't even remember. It doesn't even matter. The market's down on one thing, quote unquote, and then it's up on something else. So none of it makes any sense. That's why we actually throw it all away and we just use the candlesticks that are in front of us to tell the story. We assemble the pieces to the puzzle one at a time. Once the picture becomes clear, it becomes obvious what's going on and we go from there. That's the only way we can do it. That works. It will continue to work. Let's get back to business. So the market has this tremendous monster rally that nobody could have anticipated going all the way to new highs in three weeks. It was absolutely a rodeo slash circus market. We knew it at the time, but there's nothing you can do about it. Every time the market would get to an important number, there would be no rejection from any number, so the market kept grinding higher. Then... We start getting up into that 289 area. We start pushing above. I start to say 293, 294 area, stone cold short. Plenty of traders jump the gun. They're short the market. My email starts to fill up by the day. Market's up in that 293, 294 area. Right here was last Wednesday. Go back to the video. I believe I said I will begin shorting the market Thursday and Friday. Thursday Friday, Monday, Tuesday. When it feels really, really wrong, it's generally right. When it feels really, really right, it's generally not. Now, let's put everything in perspective. Today was a down day. Doesn't mean the market's collapsing. We're still above all the moving averages. We have to always put everything in perspective. What have we been talking about lately? We've been discussing the fact that Many markets have been getting extended, we talk about the Qs, we talk about the SPY, extended from the 20 period moving average or home base. What do markets like to do? They like to come back toward home base. We have a gap down here. There's moving averages below the gap. There's important area where the market essentially consolidated, made a bull flag pattern, and then broke out from over here. We come back, or can come back, normally do come back to test former breakout and former breakdown areas. 
so we have to put everything in perspective. I'm really not sure what the media was discussing today, what the talking heads were discussing, but what I can tell you is I did catch wind of a couple of different things, and one of them is all of a sudden we're discussing, or they're discussing, a 50 basis point rate cut with the Fed, and whether or not the Fed's going to actually cut 50 or 25 basis points, and it's almost like they're laying the decline in the market off the expectation that the Fed was going to cut interest rates 50 basis points, which is one half of 1%, and now they may only cut it 25 basis points, so everybody's disappointed, let's sell the market. That's on the verge, if not already over the top of, preposterous. Who started the discussion about 50 basis points? The pundits. We talk about companies missing analysts' earnings expectations. How about the market missing the pundits' own expectations? It's preposterous. Can we say a top is in? Well, I can say a top is in now, but only if, only if we don't get back above and close the day above today's high. That would actually be very, very bullish. That would turn things up. We would be buying the market for much, much higher price tags. Until and unless that happens, the top is in. Now, we weren't as sure, or I should say sure, I'm never sure, but there's a degree of certainty whenever I say something. So the other day, when we said you could be short against the high, I wasn't as certain that we wouldn't continue higher, for example, up to 297, as I am now that we won't necessarily close above today's high anytime soon. And if we do, I know exactly what to do with it. If we did that, the likelihood of going higher increases by a magnitude. We'll deal with that if and when that happens. Right now, it's pointed in the other direction. We're on the hourly chart, and we made it a point to discuss the hourly chart. I believe it was yesterday, and we talked about the fact that the hourly chart was pretty apparent. The market was stepping its way up, and then it was at least apparent to me, we discussed it here, that the institutions were selling into those gap-ups, and it's called institutional distribution. We talked about it, I think it was yesterday, and it seems to be that was the case. Now... Maybe all the market's doing is coming back to fill this gap, maybe go down to the famous 289, maybe find support. We'll see what happens then. However, we were looking for a top. The market was running out of time. Remember, I believe it was the weekend video. That was the actual title of the cover page to the video. Let's point something else out on the hourly chart. I think this is interesting if you're a novice fascinating if you're a student of the markets or you eat, sleep, and drink numbers like I do. We talk about the fact that the market will decide what numbers are important, and then it will go ahead and tell us what numbers are important. And it plays into how I come up with a lot of my numbers on a regular basis. There's no one thing. It's all the things combined from the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. But I want to point something out on this chart, and then we'll discuss how we use this information. Remember the 291.40, the high here, 291.40. The fact that that's a pivot high on this hourly chart tells us that the market thinks that that price is important. Therefore, let's identify the price. 
Now, when the market gapped up here and started consolidating in a bull flag pattern, and we'll all remember that, we discussed it at the time. We discussed the fact that the low here came within seven cents, 291.47. Now, again, today, 291.40 comes back around. Here in this particular candle, the low is 291.28. So, in and around that number, the market did get a bounce higher from that price zone. Here's a 15-minute chart, and it looks more dramatic when I do this and say, here's the low at 291.28, and then all of a sudden, just a few minutes later, we're at a high of 292.46. That represents more than a 10-point rip off that price. How you doing? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting everybody was piling into the trade at 291.40 this afternoon. I just find the numbers fascinating. Let me explain the reason why we're not piling into that number this afternoon. First of all, there's a big difference between what the market's doing there and what the market's doing here. Here, the market, after making a gap higher, made a bull flag consolidation pattern for another move higher. That's exactly what happened. Here, the market is creeping lower. We don't want a creeping market. We happen to get a spike right into that price to test that level. That's what the market wanted to do at the time. That's fine. But this is a creeping market. This is a market that doesn't look the same as it did here when things looked bullish. All of a sudden, we're on the other side of the page. We're looking in the mirror. It's not the same trade. That brings up a really, really important point. I get questions like this, and don't get me wrong. I love the questions. I answer all the questions. You all know, no question goes unanswered. But here's the question. Three weeks ago, you said that XYZ number was important. And today, we traded through that number. This is a perfect example. Even though it worked temporarily today, this is a perfect example of today, the market's different than it was a week ago or three weeks ago. I'll tell you if the number's still important because I'm still talking about it every single night. If I'm not talking about a number on a constant basis, the only other way it's important as if it shows up for Inside the Numbers members in the list of, quote-unquote, important numbers every single morning. What happens when we take a peek over at a 120-minute chart? Do we see anything different? Do we see anything that stands out? Remember, we always want to focus in on the first thing that jumps off the chart when we look at it from a visual perspective. Forget the numbers. What does it look like? Here's what it looks like to me. What jumps off the page is a huge gap and a long consolidation period of time. So right there, we can say that markets like to come back and test former breakout and former breakdown areas. We've already discussed this on a different chart. I'm reiterating, we want to look at it from all perspectives. We have a gap and this was also a breakout area. So what are the odds that the market's just going to blow through this? The only way that will typically happen is if it gaps below it. We talk about that all the time. When a market has trouble, not that the market's having trouble, we haven't even been there yet, but when the market's having trouble getting through a resistance area or a support area on the downside, it can gap over or gap below some of these important numbers, and that's one way we get those gap-and-go days. 
Gap and go days can be on the upside. Gap and go days can be on the downside. So if in fact we had a gap and go day for argument's sake, that's an easy way for the market to disregard this entire area. Without that, it would be very difficult to just blow through all this like it wasn't even there. One of those whistle past the graveyards. It's unlikely it's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, it's not going to just whistle past there. As you know, I like to look at as many different charts as I can. We've been discussing of late the S&P E-mini futures contract. So back to the September contract. Remember we were discussing over the weekend and last week, the high here the other day was 2969.25. We made a new high just by a couple of points and look what happened. All of a sudden we find ourselves nowhere near that number. The horizontal trend line you see was our line in the sand for Inside the Numbers members. We use the S&P E-mini and we also use the SPY. Some traders follow one, some traders follow another, so I give everybody both numbers. We were intent on following the 2950. I had plenty of reasons why. We talked about it every single day. And you can see right here, we finally traded away from 2950. There's another reason why I wanted to bring up this chart. If you just take a glance at the top, we could have had another couple or three days of just very quiet market activity. We would have then stayed above the low of this last breakup candle and potentially had enough energy for another run higher. But now we've closed below that low. That's interesting. Now we have that area below that we just looked at on the SPY chart that comes in where that gap was where that consolidation was, it's the same area in the E-mini contract. The numbers are a little skewed. Remember, the spider paid a dividend. The S&P E-mini is a September contract. Don't get wrapped up in the numbers. That's my job. Let me worry about the numbers. Believe me, it keeps me up at night, plenty of nights. Let's go over to Camp IWM. What's the 151.47? We'll get to that in a moment. Let's get the big picture first. So the IWM has the same rodeo ride as the SPY did. We got all the way above the moving averages, and now look where we are. It feels like it was yesterday we were talking about the fact that we've already gotten above the moving averages. Staying above would be somewhat bullish. Well, look what happened. We didn't even stay above the moving averages for three days. We talked a number of times that if, in fact, markets like this we're getting above moving averages. The transports were in the same camp. I said I would have to see them close above there for at least a couple of days to buy the story. We had a similar conversation in the SPY. It did get above its moving averages, and guess what? It kept going, and that's why we want to give it some time. We've been discussing the fact that, or not the fact, but the possibility that this is a lower high. That's very possible. Look where we are. We've talked about this two or three times already, and we're pretty far away. We're five points removed from that high last week. The markets are faster than people think they are. There's a bull and a bear case in the IWM. We've got to look at both. Here's the bull case. A, B leg down. Don't know where it ends. Maybe it ended today. Maybe it ends tomorrow. And then another C leg up. Now, the C leg would complete if we get above the high of the A leg. I can tell you that if that's going on, 
The other markets are rallying. We're already long the market because what I said before is if we close above today's high, something entirely different is going on and we would be likely long the market. But this is the bull case for the IWM. The other side of the story is the IWM is far ahead as a canary in the coal mine, my favorite market leading indicator, whatever you want to call it, is far ahead of the other markets in turning down. That's the other way to look at it. If you believe it's a leading market indicator, then that's the stance that you have to take. You have to be consistent. What's not consistent? Let me give you an example of not consistent. And I know this goes on out there, and I get it. I understand what everybody's trying to do. But let me give you an example of not consistent. You're a trader trying to be successful in the market. You're trying to learn. You're watching a variety of different videos on YouTube. You've taken several courses. You're trying to figure this freaking thing out. I get it. You don't know whether I'm right or somebody else is right or the third or fourth or fifth guy is right. What you do know is who was right last. Even if it's on a micro scale, you tend to focus on who was right last. We end up making decisions based on who was right last. Then you end up going around the horn and you never make any money. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two is trying to catch every move, playing the weekly options, trying to catch the market from yesterday's high to today's low, putting on a new position for the move tomorrow. That's a recipe for disaster. If we're looking for a top, we're not looking for a top that's two days long. If it's two days long, I'm wrong with where the top is. So that being the case, we have to give it some time. As far as most people are concerned, the market's at all-time highs. They don't realize we were down a couple of days. The average Joe who doesn't follow the market every day, we're at all-time highs as far as everybody's concerned. There's no problem. When the average Joe realizes there is a problem, that's when we're likely looking to begin covering the short positions. Here's something to keep in mind on the IWM. It's different than the spider. I'm just looking at the IWM chart, and what we have to keep in mind is we just came into home base in four days from afar. We also retraced a pretty good chunk from low to high. That's a pretty good chunk of that move already in four days right into home base. Just something to be aware of for those of you that traffic in the IWM. I said before we would get back to that 151.47. I think there's a good lesson in here. Let's get back to the 151.47. Here's an hourly chart. What is it? It's a gap. So we missed the gap here and traded away. We come back and we missed the gap here. It's hard to see with the moving average there, but the low here was 151.62. The low here is 151.54. And the low here is 151.58. So we hover, we consolidate, we hover, we creep, whatever you want to call it, we hover over that gap. You don't want that trade. Once you try it once or twice, especially in an hourly chart, there's nothing doing. It's not a trade you're interested in anymore. Here's a 15-minute chart. Look what the market's doing. Look how far away you bounced higher from missing the gap. You don't want that trade. Initially, what that's telling me as it's happening in real time, it's bullish. It's telling me that they missed the gap 
they're going to rally. But then when they can't get very far and they keep coming back after the gap, it becomes apparent as I watch other markets. The IWM actually was stronger than the S&P 500 today until it wasn't. It actually finished with relative strength against the SPY, but at one point today, the IWM was actually in the green. What is that? The trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew? You better believe it is. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting there's five guys in a room somewhere sitting around picking out an index card out of a box saying, let's do this one. Although it does kind of feel that way. It's just the larger concept of how the market plays mind games. I tell my son something very specific. It's a little bit different than I would say in these videos, but I'm teaching him to trade. And what I tell my son is that the market is designed to mind blank you. And if you always have that in the back of your mind, along with the numbers, along with everything else that I teach on a nightly basis, and more specifically, everything that's in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, if you put all that together and just have in the back of your mind that they're always trying to mind blank you somehow, some way, then you're going to be three or four steps ahead of the other guy. By the way, when you look at the hourly chart of the IWM, it tells a different story than what was green earlier in the day and positive. So I did put this out also to Inside the Numbers members. I said that the IWM, and I said this in the afternoon, there was a mid-afternoon update today. I said the IWM is actually consolidating in a bearish fashion. It's consolidating or running sideways. It was something of note, something to watch out for. What about the VIX? We've been talking about the VIX. We were looking to buy the VIX in the mid-14s. Low 14s even better. Below 14, best yet. Couldn't get it down there. It happened when nobody was looking in the wee hours of the morning. But look where we are now. 16 and change. I don't think this is it. I think it's a stopping point. I think it's a way station. We consolidated here. We found resistance there today. That's garden variety market behavior happens all the time. Put it in perspective, it's a mirror image of the markets. We got below the moving averages and in one fell swoop or three or four days right back above most of the moving averages. It's a circus market. It's not normal. Topping can be a process. We talked about it last night. Topping is a process. And by the way, just slightly off topic for a second, do this exercise. I think it's worth it. It's definitely worth the five or ten minutes. Look at today's headlines. Go to any blogs, any financial media you want. Doesn't even matter. Pick your own. Just read the headlines. Don't read the articles. The articles half the time don't even match the headlines anyway. Then go back and do a news search for the same type of articles from mid last week. When you find those, sit back and ask yourself, what really changed in a week? There's been a lot of crosstalk. There's been a lot of kabuki theater. There's been a lot of stuff going on as far as the media is concerned, but did anything change in a week? I'll let you decide. Next stop, transportation department. Looks very similar to the IWM. It's the same conversation, the same story, the canary in the coal mine. This has been my steadfast canary in the coal mine for a long, long time. I said it when I was getting the flood of emails every day. I say it today. I'll say it tomorrow. It happens over and over and over again. Doesn't work every single day. But from a bigger picture perspective, this is 
like Canary in the Coal Mine. Same story as the IWM. Even though we closed below the 20-period moving average today, which is even worse yet, we came in there pretty quickly from afar. Just keep in mind that the transports and the IWM, the position of the market is different than that of the Qs, the SPY, the Dow. We just need to be aware of that. Speaking of the Qs, I think 1.5% can qualify for a woodshed day. What stands out on this chart when you look at it? Well, for me, a couple of things. High, lower high. We've talked about that about, I don't know, four or five times, maybe 10 times, maybe since back here, most likely since back there. But any way you look at it, still a lower high, still as bearish as it would have been here. And here, it doesn't matter. Either way, a lower high is the same result. What's the other thing you see that stands out on the chart? There's a gap, a 50-period moving average right here. Looks like we're headed right there. We're in no man's land, right in the middle of what's called the gap window and filling the gap. It looks like we're going there. Will they play a head game tomorrow morning? I have no idea. But under normal garden variety market conditions, they're going to at least, at a bare minimum, fill that gap. We didn't talk about volume today. I should backtrack and talk a little bit about volume. While we're here on the Q chart, the volume still wasn't above the average 90-day volume. Let's go back to the SPY chart and talk about volume. A little bit above the average 90-day volume. However, there was no volume in connection with the amount of selling in points that we saw today. That's somewhat suspicious. Doesn't mean a flood of volume can't come in tomorrow or the next day. I'm just telling you what it is today. It's somewhat suspicious. Certainly a lot more than yesterday, but as we know, price is the absolute arbiter, and we've got what we've got. We're not hanging our hat on volume. We're just looking at volume. Remember what we discussed a few days ago. These three days up here could have been institutional distribution instead of one day of exhaustion volume. It could have been three days combined of exhaustion volume. I know all this stuff doesn't necessarily appear believable at the time, but when you look back, you say, oh yeah, it makes sense now. Part of the reason why it's sometimes hard to believe, and I hate to do this, but if you're listening to multiple people trying to get a handle on where the market's going, that's a state of confusion. You're never going to be able to focus in on the finer details of what I'm doing unless you're totally focused. Now, I'm not saying you have to be totally focused at me. You don't. Believe whoever you want to believe. Look at the market however you want to look at it. What I'm really saying is you have to pick a horse. You have to pick a strategy. You have to stick to it. You have to be disciplined. And if you have those things, if you have the discipline and the desire, and if you take the course and you stick to it and you go through it three, four, five times, and you ask me questions on a constant basis as you're going through the course, I'm here to tell you, you become a better trader. If you don't have the discipline and you're looking for the next silver bullet and you're off running after the next shiny object, truth be told, it's not going to happen. Get out of our lane for a second. I had a couple of questions on Bitcoin. I threw out some numbers on Bitcoin the other day. Somebody posted, do you have any numbers on Bitcoin? I put some numbers up on the page. And here we go. In one day, we went through, or two, all the numbers. And here we are continuing to ride the rodeo higher. Again, here's another market where it is a little bit disconnected from reality when you look at the momentum that's going on in Bitcoin. Look at where we were, and it's not that long ago. Just down here at 7,700, 7,800, 
That was in the beginning of June, like two weeks ago. When you look at a weekly chart, becomes pretty apparent that if we blow through this, that's one thing. Unlikely we blow through that. There's two pivots, one on top of the other. And there's even a third one up here. So it's unlikely that we're going to get much, much farther in Bitcoin until we pull back or at least consolidate for a while. I know there's probably not a lot of people looking to short Bitcoin, but there is a lot of people or there are a lot of people that own Bitcoin. 11,662.32 is that high. This one happens to be 11,757. And then the one after that is higher yet. When you look at this and you look at gold, which we'll look at gold as well tonight, you have to wonder what was causing people to rush into Bitcoin and gold. And it couldn't have been the Fed. It couldn't be easy money policy. It's not interest rates. That's not what's going on. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know what everybody's individual reason is. That's why I always say most people aren't really buying the vehicle, in this case, Bitcoin, because of some reason. They're actually buying it because other people are buying it. That's chasing momentum. And it works for a while. In fact, it worked wonderfully in Bitcoin. But my point is, what's the underlying theory behind why people are running into Bitcoin and gold? Are they looking for an alternative currency? What's going on out there? At the end of the day, I don't really care. I have my own opinions, but I think it's fascinating. It's interesting. I think we're in for a wild ride this summer. The XLF. Look at where we're teetering today. The low we talked about yesterday, 2693. What was the low today? The low today is 2689, but we closed back above 27 and the 20 period moving average. So you can see a fight going on. Who's going to win the battle? The bulls or the bears? Other than that, there's no material change in the XLF. How about the SMH? We're no longer trapped in between those moving averages. They decided to go southern. Same story as all the other markets. Nothing changed. Same routine. Higher low gives us an ABC pattern, right? So we have a low and a higher low. So we had an A, B, C just kind of squeaked out the C leg, right? The high was 108.80. The high here was 109.20. And here we are coming back in. So when you look at the bigger picture, the bigger picture is high, lower high. And that's what we've been discussing on all these other charts. And you see a theme developing or a theme that has developed a theme that has been in development. Gold is still going, although it had somewhat of an intraday reversal today, but the high today wasn't quite where I thought we would get to on the upside. 1442.90. I said in this contract, I could see gold getting up in between 1450 to 1460. We talked about 1457 as a number, comes off this monthly chart. We had some discrepancies, and I want to clear up the difference in charts on the price of gold. So let's clear up why there's a difference between some of the charts some of you are looking at and my chart. I'm looking at a futures contract. I'm not looking at the spot price of gold. You're likely looking at the spot price of gold, which accounts for the difference in price. So you're not nuts. I'm not nuts. Nobody's nuts. We're all good to go. By the way, we're coming up to the end of June. The monthly close is going to be ever, ever so important. The weekly closes are always important. 
The weekly closes are five times a daily close. Well, guess what? A monthly close is four times a weekly close. Very, very important. The end of June is going to be extremely important. Other markets, when I say other, other than the chart you're looking at, any market is going to fight important numbers based on monthly charts. They're not always close by, but sometimes they are. I'm looking at my important monthly numbers now. How about crude oil? Where's crude going? 59. What was the high today? 58.84. 58.84. Pretty slick. Didn't get to 59 yet, but we should. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as a big fat round number. 60 would be a fatter round number, a bigger fatter round number. 59 would be a skinny round number. Either way, anybody that was long crude oil from a long time ago, from many, many dollars ago, on the breakout above 54, you'll remember that. Go back to the videos and we discussed getting above 54 was bullish for crude oil. Here we are at 59. Five bucks. That's a lot of points in crude oil. And that, my friends, is the perfect place to pull the ripcord tonight. I am David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My strategic forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.